0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's Monday morning, and you know what that means here at Reality Check Radio. That means that Dr. Glenn Davies from reversalnz.co.nz joins us for our health hacks. Glenn, welcome back to RCR. Great to have you again. Hey, thank you, Paul. Okay, this is interesting. You've been watching TV, okay, Netflix, and sitting on the couch burning hours on Netflix. But... Um, you are going to chat about, and I guess this you know brings up a, a broader a subject matter the secrets of the blue zones. now what are blue zones? Tell me what blue zones are, please.
1: yeah so blue zones are these areas around the world dotted around the world where people live many people live to over a hundred years uh, of age and they, are still in excellent health in their 80s and 90s and even hundreds. And so people have looked at these areas and they've gone, what are these people doing that is so dramatically different from the rest of the world? And how could we reproduce that? What is there to learn?
0: Now, it's not just in one part of the world. It's sort of scattered around the place, right?
1: Yeah. um, So... What we're referencing here is uh, an excellent Netflix uh, documentary. The uh, person who made the documentary is Dan Buchner. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looked at these blue zones and, and in the documentary they talk about where does the name Blue Zone arrive? And apparently the one of the first researchers used like this um, blue highlighter pen on the map and there were all these blue smudges around the the map, and so that's where the term blue zone came from, um, apparently.
0: Okay, so it's like a highlighter pen kind of...
1: uh, Yeah, yeah, and just these blue smudges, but I was really concerned that the listeners thought I spent uh, all my time uh, reading clinical papers uh, into the late hours of the night, and uh, so this is to prove that I I do watch Netflix, Um, but this one happened to be educational.
0: Well, it, it, still, it still is research, isn't it? I mean, you can still put it under, under research.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> and justify the time on, on the couch. Okay, so um, what are the... Okay, well, the, the common thing is that the people are healthy, they live long, but they live long and healthy as well. But there must be some common intersectional things that happen between these different locations, cultures, that has yeah. them, you know, with such a long... Life, which all of us, you know, kind of hope for, right?
1: Yeah, and, and it's discussing this concept of lifespan and health span. So it's one thing to live a long time, but do you want to spend the last twenty of your years of that life in poor health? The ideal is that your lifespan and health span equal each other so that you die on your hundred and second birthday, uh, in your sleep uh after Having extraordinarily good health for that whole hundred and two years—that's the ultimate, isn't it?
0: Yeah, the the dream ending, let's say. Oh. Yep.
1: Hey, so what what we what the documentary did is it went through these blue zones and and looked at what it learnt from each of these areas. So they started in Okinawa, which is an island, uh, I think, off the bottom of Japan, mm-hmm. and and listed some of the 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 features of that group of people so one of them of course was food and the big feature of of the food is that it's all whole food you know this is this is not food that comes out of packages this is not food that's um full of sugar and full of uh artificial oils this is all natural food stuff that's recently been swimming walking flying or growing and one of the f- particular features of the food from the blue zones is it does tend to be plant-based. So not, it's not entirely plant-based in most of these areas, but mm-hmm. does tend to be predominantly plant-based um, food, which is interesting. but I think the overwhelming feature when we talk about the food is that it is whole food, not processed food.
0: Okay, so we've talked a lot about you know um, okay, whole foods, et cetera, but quite a bit about meat-based and uh and, and that kind of diet. what you're saying what you're saying is that really there has to be plant based on the evidence of well this one blue zone okinawa really there should be plant based pretty well mixed in as well obviously
1: yeah so so of the five blue zones that were reviewed um one of them uh, Loma Linda which is in California was completely um, vegan the others were largely plant-based, um, but with some uh, animal proteins. So um, just, just discussing this topic alone, that, that was the conclusions of the, the researchers. Um, how that's applied more generally is, is a, a topic for vast discussion, but that's the evidence from, from this discussion.
0: What about attitude to life?
1: Yeah, um, okay, what did they, yeah, Attitude to Life, they they talked about balance being important, um, they talked about friends, and there was a comment in there that having friends can add 15 years to your life. Wow, uh, okay. So, so that sounds important. There was this really interesting discussion Um it sounded like Okinawa was uh, affected in a very major way during the Second World War.
0: Yeah, it was, yeah.
1: And um, there sounded like there was a a great amount of hardship that occurred there. And the comment that uh, many people uh, were expected to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but in fact they turned this around and they used it as a reason for being more positive, Um, they they realised that they could endure a lot of hardship and still live amazing, joyful lives. So they were sort of had reversed this. It was like a resilience thing rather than a oh a harm. It was that that part was fascinating.
0: So, realising or or understanding that you have a kind of level of resilience that you didn't think you had before was some kind of Sort of positive reinforcement in life
1: yeah and I think this concept of appreciating every moment every every hour of life is an incredible gift uh, is is sort of what I picked up from the discussion
0: okay yeah I think it was pretty rough um at the last stage of the second World War I think the Americans actually invaded Okinawa didn't they and uh, the um you know the the Okinawa locals were like facing off against um that uh, very um uh, sort of high point of the war and and a lot of them, I think there are a lot of casualties there. Anyway, okay, so what about calorie intake? Whether you're eating plant-based or anything else, is there a sort of like a magical calorie limit per day?
1: Well, that discussion was fascinating um, in Okinawa. Uh, They had a a particular name for it, which I didn't pick up, but they eat until they're 80% full. Um, They it It appeared that they say this to themselves before they begin eating, um and the concept is to eat and not till you're stuff but until you're satisfied um and then the calories that they ended up eating was about two thousand calories per day compared with the modern adult American which is eating twice as much forty thousand ah sorry, four thousand calories a day, so half the number of calories compared with modern American diets so you know, that says a lot. And then there was this added discussion about how do they do that? One is this deliberate choice to eat until they're only 80% full, but then the foods are are nutritionally dense. So they're not calorie dense necessarily, they're they're nutrient dense. So I think those two components were what were picked out as major features of their diet.
0: So it's a bit uh, ancient thinking now, is it just to think of calories in energy out because i remember once i you know back in my early 20s i wanted to lose some weight and i went on calorie counting and it didn't yeah. seem to do much at the time even though i religiously followed you know the, yes. the calor calorific value of the particular foods added it all up with exercise how much i'd burn but it didn't seem to get me too far from memory maybe a little bit not too far
1: yeah, and we've um, we've had a particular uh, a whole program on that, saying that we've moved away from this calorie model to this hormonal model of weight loss. However, just looking at the evidence from this documentary, the it would be very clear that if you're eating twice as many calories every day, you would expect to be heavier than someone who is eating half the amount. And um, okay, I, I guess yeah. that's the point that comes out of this information from Okinawa. And the other one, uh, there's no retirement. People contribute to their family and to their community right through till they can't any longer. And one of the particular things is gardening. Gardening, uh, I think probably universally throughout all of these um, blue zones, gardening seems to be a universal feature and it's the older people who are able to continue to do that?
0: I wonder why gardening. I mean, it's obvious it's relaxing. Is it something to do with like earthing or something like that? Because you
1: um, could be to do with earthing. It's um, contributing. It's exercise. Um, it's producing Stuffed, stuff food grows, which is yeah. high in nutrients. Um, and people continue to be useful and contribute. Um, you know, right through their their life. I think is one of the main points they were making in this documentary
0: yeah that retirement um issue is is an interesting one because um i think more and more people in our culture we're probably a non-blue zone i don't know what color (laughs) we would we would be maybe a red zone (laughs)
1: we're a brown Uh,
0: zone i'd say yeah brown (laughs) zone all that brown fat um though i meet people now who are beyond retirement age that are still incredibly active and and don't intend to give up really anything unless they are incapacitated so that seems to be something in the culture now. And I remember back when I was a lot younger, there was that target of retirement. And you know, you go off and, and you sort of you do the things that retired people would do. Not so much now maybe, unless you're physically wrung out from a life of physical work.
1: Yeah, good point. And um we'll we'll talk about that a little particularly when we talk about Nicoya which is in Costa Rica. But one of the big things that came out of that is that you know, exercise and being active is really important, but also rest and relaxation and naps, taking um, naps, I guess, a siesta uh, was a really important thing that came out of that. So, you know, we, we talk about hormesis, hormesis means that you give your body sharp um, stresses that's like the cold water immersion and and hard exercise like like the hitch training but you then you have to balance that against the rest and relaxation and so yeah taking naps and slowing down they, there was a little comment that said if ever there's a choice between doing an extra hours work or um, sitting down and having a conversation with a friend they'll always uh, choose the second option which Sounds uh, good advice for a long life, doesn't it?
0: Well, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Yeah. In fact, if yeah. I could make even more than that, I would, you know. <laughs> um, I, I heard something recently, I think it was on BBC, not that I listen to BBC much, just speaking to naps, that an afternoon nap apparently lowers the risk of a
1: heart attack. I'm, I'm sure it does, yeah. But, however, I think this is only true if it's to compensate for the fact that you've been done something hard, during the morning, I think if you've lazed around on the couch right. and then you've <laughs> taken a nap, it probably probably doesn't work then.
0: <laughs> yeah, you need some motivation at that level. Okay, so a sense of purpose, enjoying the enjoying the present. That's an interesting one. I should just see that in, in some of the, the information you've got here because worrying, because the alter, alternative to that is worrying about the future, isn't it? It's like a worrying, enjoying yes. the present sort of, kind of doesn't look too far ahead, so you're not worrying so much maybe. And I could see how that could be a benefit.
1: Yeah, and and this is this concept of mindfulness. So mindfulness is you're focusing on what you're doing in the now. Um, now, we do have to think about the future, and we also have to think of the past. But when they've looked at the – this is sort of away from the blue zone concept, but when they've looked at the most successful people in the world, they spend most of their time in the present, they spend, I think if I've remembered this correctly, about 10% in the past and only about 20% in the future. So 70% is in the now. And I think that's really good advice. Don't completely ignore the past because then we don't learn from it. Don't spend all of your time in the future because there's, what, a gazillion possible futures. Totally. The, chances of us, the chance of us choosing the right one by worrying about it is very unlikely. Um, let's just be in the present and be joyful in the present moment. As I think, the point that comes out of it.
0: Looking at the um, you know the different uh, geographical locations here, blue zones. Um, obviously, there's a a different kind of lifestyle, or is there? Uh, you know, compared to Okinawa, Japan, uh, and uh, Sardinia, Italy, for example, the two are not even close to each other. Completely different cultures, yet. Um, yeah. Again, a blue zone. So what are the overlaps there?
1: Well, one of the things that I thought about, it wasn't mentioned particularly in the um, in the documentary, but they're all warm places, aren't they? They're, they're all places where you'd expect to get a lot of sunlight. And we've talked about vitamin D before. I wonder if um, vitamin D levels and sunlight has something to do with it. And you just tend to feel happier when it's, Sunny and and warm, so and you do tend to spend time with your friends uh, sitting in the afternoon sun, so or the evening sun. Do you think maybe it's that's a feature? You
0: know, I think it could be, fun? given yeah. that vitamin D seems to crop up so often as as a benefit all the time. You know, big time. Yeah, yeah. Why
1: wouldn't it? And then um, Sardinia was one of the blue zones, and. One of the things that came out of that was people walk everywhere,
0: oh, um, okay. You know,
1: and and it's really steep, so you know, to walk from your home to the market and back was actually quite an undertaking. So, um, I think it's it's this movement, and it's not like they were going to the gym or deliberately riding bicycles, but it was moving naturally. They were walking, gardening, sitting on the ground while they were making hand tools, you know. Uh, so I think movement and walking seems to be really important. One of the things that the documentary ends on is it talks about Singapore, which is a society, which a modern society where they have deliberately created an environment which promotes longevity. And one of the things that occurs there is that a car that would cost, say, $100,000 in the United States costs $250,000 in Singapore. So very few people own cars, and most people use public transport or walk. You know, And so the fact that people are walking seems to be a really important feature of these green zones. Um, I wrote it down. In the United States, 80% of people own cars. In Singapore, only 11% of people own cars. And 50% of people in Singapore... Use public transport while only five percent do, in um, in the US. So the fact that people have to walk or cycle to catch the bus or the train seems to be really important.
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's something in that. The um, steepness that you mentioned is there some element of resistance training then, even exactly. just sort of moving around.
1: Yeah, and that, that's exactly it. So not only are you walking, you're walking up hills. It's it's actually hard. Yeah. I, wonder about, I
0: wonder about how we operate our families, too, because it's my sense that those um, the two uh, areas that we've talked about already, I mean, what do I know, but there seems to be a kind of uh, a role that's always kept for elders, right? They're not just thrown on the scrappy. We throw them on the scrappy beer.
1: Yeah, you are You are so right, and that, I think, is one of the really important things that was universal through all these cultures, and... Um, Older people are revered. Older people are honoured. Older people are useful. Older people form a really important part of the the family. Um, there was a statistic in there saying that when, uh, when someone becomes widowed in the United States, 70% of them go into a rest home, whereas that just doesn't happen in any of these blue zones. Um, and... The, the elderly people were contributing to the care of the children. You know, that saying, it, it takes a village to to raise a child. Um, one of the men uh, who was featured in the documentary was teaching mathematics to his grandchildren, you know, and he took them out to breakfast before they went on the bus to school, you know. Um so right. that the mum could go off and start work at six o'clock in the morning. You know, it, I was going, yeah, that's the way it should be. There's also a statistic saying that you lose two to six years of life by going into a rest home. Gee, okay. You know, so that going into a rest home and losing that connection with family and with community is bad for your health.
0: I wonder why we do that. I wonder how it's ended up that way.
1: It really, yeah, I think it's we've lost maybe elderly people no longer feel valued, and so they think they need to go away. So part of it is we need to make older people feel valued because they have wisdom and they contribute in a major way. Um, so I think it's on both sides, isn't it? And, you know, we we have an obligation. Our parents looked after us. I think we have an obligation to look after them when they get older.
0: Well, I'm one to talk, but surely just thinking about it, it would, it feels good to do that, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good to have your family close by and to know that you're caring for them and, you know, yeah. that, that they're part of the group and not out somewhere. Or basically, they could be if they're widowed on their own, you know, lonely, because loneliness is a huge, huge problem for the elderly.
1: Absolutely, it, it is. And everyone wins by having the older person in the, the family group. And in Singapore, where they've kind of designed society deliberately, um, they design um, housing complexes and people get a subsidy if they deliberately live close to their parents. You know, so no, even there's if they're an living idea. in the same home, they get subsidised housing if that is in the vicinity of of their parents because then they look after their parents and it doesn't fall on government agencies and NGOs to do that caring, you know, so isn't that a wonderful concept and isn't that a few dollars well spent?
0: Well, we already give subsidies for housing, so that's not a new concept. We could easily do that here, easily.
1: And and that was what was really impressive by the, the fourth episode of this documentary. They looked at Singapore and Singapore seems to have – deliberately done this. Now, I know there will be a, a lot of listeners that might not approve of some of these concepts, but there is a an element of government manipulation to try and create these things. So they tax cars to make them expensive so that people don't buy cars, and then all, there's, there's less roads and there's more walking tracks and the public transport, that that car tax is used to fund the public transport. So it's sort of like an everyone wins. Um, Pollution is less. There's more walking. The public transport is excellent. And if people want a car, they can still have one. It just costs them a lot of money. You know, so that sort of works. Um, uh, Rooftop gardens, you know, so there there was another example of what they were doing in Singapore. Um, They deliberately capped the amount of sugar in sodas. So they just sit wow. companies okay um, you yeah. they just made a rule they subsidized brown rice over white rice um they created government funded exercise programs actually the, this is interesting um tennis increases your life expectancy of of all sports tennis increases your life expectancy the most and the documentary didn't talk about why but i imagine it's because it's social Uh, It's using lots of different movement. It's creating balance and coordination. So that was interesting. Tennis tennis does. So if you're going to choose a a sport, tennis increases your life expectancy more than anything else. The government um, talks about nudges. They're nudging people towards healthy choices by policy. Um, And they talk about creating an environment which makes the healthy choice the easy choice, um, you know. And I don't know. Um, I'm sure there would be quite a lot of discussion around the role of government, and is that creating taking the role of government too far? But um, if if that is useful, this seemed to be a very useful way of doing it. Um, they rewarded vendors um, for offering healthy choices. Uh, I don't know. They didn't say how, whether it was a, a tax incentive or something, but I don't know. It seemed like it was working. And Singapore's a really highly populated um, island, isn't it? Um, and, yet, and not very
0: big, to be fair. It's the size of Lake Taupo. So or do you could yeah. you relate to that.
1: Yeah. It has, um, you know, it had a very high population. So they have to create an environment which is good for the people. Otherwise, that's going to fall apart. And they have a lot of healthy elderly people in Singapore.
0: We've been talking about all these things in previous programs. Everything that you've just described there, we have been—they've been on our kind of wish list, right? Mm. Yes, and, indeed. And that proves it can be done.
1: Yeah, so I, I think where the where the program ends up is: can we do that? One for ourselves, two for our families, three for our communities, um, and ultimately for our country. So, I guess, Paul, the challenge I'd like to put out there is could we make New Zealand a blue zone? And the answer is if of all the places in the world where you potentially could do that, New Zealand must be the environment where you can. We, you know, we produce enough food in New Zealand to feed. You know, ourselves and many other um, people, don't we? So there's no shortage of food if it was distributed properly. We have a wonderful climate. Uh, we have amazing outdoors. Um, why can't we create a blue zone in the country of New Zealand?
0: I think that would be a really interesting campaign exercise, uh, you yeah, know, like and- with a, with a with naming point of, say, <clears throat> within the decade or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah. And um, Dan Butner actually um, talks about doing that in a couple of cities in uh, the United States where they increased life expectancy with their interventions, um, I think by two years, over a very short period of time, you know, so he's demonstrated that you can do it. But these these weren't nice cities in the United States. They looked pretty average, actually. It wasn't like the beauty of New Zealand. So, can we do that and um i'm hoping to actually start that project um very soon um, Oh, brilliant yeah because first of all like the worst thing that someone can do is go into a town and say this is what we're going to do it really has to come from the town and for it to be something that they want but um i'm going to offer that opportunity to a uh, a town in um in the central north island to see whether we can create a blue zone in that uh, town. So watch this space. I'm not going to talk about where it is because I would hate anyone to feel that something's being inflicted in, on them. But none of these things are challenging, or, are too difficult, are they? Um, why It doesn't seem too hard to do this if the people want it.
0: And wouldn't that be a model for the policymakers and the health service operators and um and controllers I mean they should know all this anyway actually. I wonder if they, any of them have watched this program. But um that would be a way of making a very clear argument for the way for change that could happen. Demonstrable, you know? So
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think and that's I, a
0: fantastic idea.
1: Yeah. And mm. um I'm I'm thinking this needs to be bottom up change. But if we can create a blue a blue zone here uh, within the central North Island, where policymakers can look at what's been done and go, that wasn't too hard. Um, We can do this elsewhere. Um, So um, I recently attended a, a conference and the speaker talked about A goals, B goals and C goals. An A goal is something that is quite attainable. You might say I'm going to go for a walk for 30 minutes 5 days a week you know that's an A zone an A goal a B goal is something which is quite ambitious and is going to take a lot of time and effort and and work to do but it's achievable a C goal is so ambitious that it almost seems impossible but with all the stars aligning it might just happen um to create New Zealand as a blue zone, I think it's a seagull. Not a not a seagull that flies around, a seagull. But I don't think it's so ambitious that it's impossible. So um, I'm hoping we're going to be able to start this project uh, soon of creating a blue zone right here in Aotearoa, and then maybe we can uh, move then to the whole country.
0: Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a goal. A sea, yeah, a seagull. <laughs> um they they live to about 70 or 80, so they, they have long lives. Do they really? Yeah, they do. No. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know a bit about seagulls. <laughs> we can do a show on seagulls one day. Yeah. All right, well that's really interesting. And just to remind people, what is the the program again? Um it's on Netflix, isn't it?
1: Yeah, currently on Netflix, um uh, the person who made the documentary is Dan Buettner and it's called Live to 100: The Secrets of the Blue Zones.
0: Okay. Well, um, interesting to hear about it. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be interested in that idea that you have. What sort of – okay, seagull, as you put it, it's the hard one. But have you any idea of a timeline for that as you sort of visualize how that could be?
1: Yeah, what um, Dan Butner did is they they did a – a questionnaire beforehand and it um it, it was called the vitality project and it predicted people's lifespan then they put in place these interventions and then they redid the survey so i i think it it was predicting how much longer people would would live so i'm i'm hoping i can find that um questionnaire that he used we can um do that in this um small town we can put the interventions in place and then repeat it in say two years um and and see what predicted outcomes there are, because you know you, you won't know for another what sixty years or so whether it's actually right. worked in reality, mm-hmm. but um yeah, to have most people living into their eighties nineties and even one hundreds in good health is is the ultimate aim of this project,
0: yeah. I think we might try and follow up uh, Dan Butner and see if he's up for a chat on this at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, please do. And um, he'll he'll be able to give a little bit more accurate uh, information than I did from um, from lying on the couch and and watching the show.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. But still really interesting to talk about that. Well, thank you, Glenn Davies of reversalnz.co.nz, another health hacks. Thank you, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.